Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. Welcome to the show. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is just what a golden era this is in Houston sports. And we have a lot to be thankful for with a tremendous amount of fantastic athletes. Uh, This might be the best era in Houston history. So a little bit later, we're going to discuss the top 10 current Houston athletes, not just Houston athletes of all time, but that's how good it is. The top 10 current Houston athletes. And I think it's a fantastic list, but first we're going to talk about a little bit of, of course, the Astros with Greg Lucas, who covered the Astros for so many years with Fox sports Southwest. And great to have you back, Greg, Uh, just initially your thoughts on, on watching this world series and, and how much fun this was for you as somebody that got to cover this team for so many years. Well, I'll tell you what, what made it the most fun for me was the fact that at least three players were still around from when I last worked with the team back in 2012. And one of them was the MVP in the American League and three-time batting champ, Jose Altuve. Another one was Dallas Keiko, who had an up-and-down season due to injury, but he's one of the top pitchers in the in the league. And, of course, uh, Marwin Gonzalez. What can we say about Marwin? He had a superb season doing everything for this team. And I was so happy for those three guys particularly because they went through the the rough years and they got uh, rewarded with uh, the World Series championship. Marwin even got a top 10 vote in the MVP voting, which was kind of cool. And the other thing about Altuve, uh, just out of curiosity, from your standpoint, were you surprised at how really unanimous Altuve was with Aaron Judge and all of the uh, media and all the you know everything he got this year being a New York Yankee and a rookie and he's this you know he looks like he's out of a you know he's out of a soap opera or something like that well and I'd also like to put to rest the fear that everyone seems to have that the New York Eastern media was all jumping behind him and all that so no they were pretty fair in fact he got three first base votes and two of them came from Kansas City meaning judge. So, no, the New York media, they know baseball, and they voted for him number two and uh, Altuve number one, and and that's exactly how it is gone. Now, obviously, Judge had a great season, but Altuve had a nearly perfect season when you look at what he did and you break it down month by month and the fact that uh, he was – carrying the team when uh, some of the other guys, uh, the key guys like Correa and and even Springer and some of the other key guys had to miss time due to injury. It was Altuve every day. All right. I, this is one thing I wanted to get into you with a little bit historically because uh, you've written books about baseball, and I know you know the history as good as anybody. Where does this World Series for you rank in historical perspective? Where would you put it? And what are we talking about? What are the other World Series that may be in that conversation of the greatest World Series of all time? Because a couple of things that come to mind when I think about this World Series, you know, two really fantastic games in Game 2 and Game 5. The seven-game series, even though a couple of the games towards the end weren't maybe classics, but you had two such great games. And also you had two teams that came into this World Series with 100 wins each, and, and that doesn't happen very often in baseball history. No, I, I rank this uh, World Series to me, uh, for my, my personal uh, satisfaction, as number one, because even those last two games, uh, six and seven, which were not close, really, the fact is uh, there had been so many home runs hit earlier, even though it was a, maybe a five to one or you know six to whatever score, uh, the threat was always there, and if you were rooting for either team, you 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 were still on pins and needles. 
And so, uh, consequently, uh, and even Game 7, you, you're talk, talking about that one, the Astros win it relatively easy, but there were things that happened in this game. Neither team had their full pitching components because of the, the games prior. They all had to use them up. And it was the Astros that could uh, pull off a guy like Charlie Morton, and Charlie Morton was really the star of game number seven and, uh, and well-deserved because he had been very good for the Astros throughout the season. And uh, so there was drama in that game, even though the final score was not close. I rank this one as number one, and games two and five are what really make it number one. Uh, my second uh, favorite series and, and was probably the Red Sox and the Reds in uh, the 70s. Uh, at that time, baseball was getting ripped for being down, and it wasn't kind of, a, you know, football was really probably get it going into its its peak in the NFL at that point. And those two teams put on a great World Series. It was only marred by the fact that they had some rain in Boston, and some of the games were delayed or not played and days off and that sort of stuff. But both games, six and seven, six, of course, with the famous Carlton Fisk home run, and seven with uh, the uh, Reds actually having to rally from an early 3 nothing deficit, were outstanding uh, game six and sevens. That's the only other one that I would put in the same classification as what we just saw. Now, there are some others people talk about, the Twins and the 91 series, and, and that's fine. And for the fans in those cities, rightfully so, they might rank them higher. But uh, I rank uh, myself, the uh, the Reds, Red Sox in the late 70s and mid-70s, and the, uh, the Astros, uh, Dodgers, as the top two. The one that I think about, and, and this is a bias of somebody that, you know, was in high school when this happened and was probably my height of baseball interest nationally, the the Mets and the Red Sox in 86. And it wasn't just that one game, the, 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 the following game, the, the one that clinched it for the Mets, that was a fantastic game too. That was a comeback. And, and, and it, it wasn't like, oh, it was over with after the Bill Buckner, you know, famous play. But because also everything that went and was involved with that leading up to it, with the NLCS and the ALCS, I think it was the, the best playoffs from beginning to end that year. I guess the, the younger people might, you know, remind us about 2001 because you had uh, everything going on with 9-11. You had it in New York with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. There was a couple of just incredibly dramatic games. And then it ended with, of course, the Game 7, the walk-off hit off Mariano Rivera and Luis Gonzalez. And I guess that, that would be the one that would be the more recent one that everybody would point to. Yeah, those are those are obviously in Arizona. That's number one. I mean, again, it goes back to where you, you know, where your team was in the scale of things. I will say this for a uh, neutral fan, especially someone who wasn't a huge baseball fan, the only negative of game five was that it took so long to play, but the game itself uh, was captivating uh, for uh, all you, uh, all you non-regular baseball viewers, because it just went back and forth and back and forth in those latter innings. But uh, yeah, I think it all depends on, uh, you know, where you live, but I think this one will uh, be remembered. Any game, any, any series that goes seven games will be remembered for quite a while. What are the games before the television era that people should think about as far as world series, uh, best World Series because you don't hear much more than maybe that 75 series. And, you know, that was right in the television era. It helped you that you had the Yastrzemski moment on TV and he's throwing his arms trying to keep the ball fair. Were there World Series that people should remember uh, from back before television that maybe if you look at what happened, oh, that, that, that should be in the conversation? 
Well, way back in the early 40s, uh, Mickey Owen dropping a third strike, which kept an inning alive for the Yankees, and they came back and they beat the Dodgers in 47. Uh, a guy named Bill Bevins was throwing a no-hitter into the ninth inning, and he gives up one hit. A, a hit to Cookie Lavagetto not only blows the no-hitter, but blows the game. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, 51. Television actually had the, the 51 postseason, including the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, or the 54, I guess, is when Dick Wirtz made the great catch. Or, uh, Dick Wirtz hit the ball that Willie Mays made the great catch on. But the series wasn't close. It was a four-game uh, sweep for the Giants over the Indians, who had won 111 games that year. So there have been some. I guess the Dodgers in 55. Now, that was also on TV. That was in the early days of TV when they finally won the World Series and beat the Yankees in the final game, two to nothing, seven game series. Uh, no, there have been a lot, uh, but uh, you're right. The ones that we can see the highlights and remember the highlights are the ones that stick out. All right. Well, let's get to this top 10 list because I'm anxious to get your thoughts on. Uh, where, where you would put these guys and maybe what guys that you have on your top 10 Houston athletes. And I'm saying top 10 current Houston athletes as a, and I, yeah, I did that. I, you gave me a, a heads up on this. So I had a time to, to look it over and uh, I'll tell you what, even current it's uh, it's pretty loaded. Uh, in fact, I've got some people that are in the very close category that, that could arguably be in the top 10, but I think one and two stand out and that is James Harden and Jose Altuve. One and two are way ahead of everybody else as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Harden and Altuve are one and two, and the rest of them I wouldn't rank. But I would put in that list uh, players like, uh, I'm going to put Verlander in there because he's, he's going to be here. All right, hold, hold up. Before, before you get going, I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm going to tell you my order and, and tell me if okay. you, where, where you think and where you disagree because I want to go through these one at a time because – I'm going to make my little argument for each for each guy, and I'm going to I'm starting off, and I, I think it's pretty easy for me as, as as it is Jose Altuve. Now in in the NBA, James Harden is a more valuable guy overall, but uh, if we're talking about the best of the best, you know Altuve, uh, without question, he's got an MVP now. James doesn't, but he's got two you know second place finishes, but Jose. Uh, has got a second. Didn't he get second last year? Right. I think third. But yeah, he's he, he's no. If you're going to rank them in order, then I would not I would not uh, disagree with that. But I, I I feel that those two guys are head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Now here's my third. Yeah, yeah. You got James sec- second, I, and that's that's true. My number three is Justin Verlander. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, he just. Uh, <laughs> went through one of the best two-month stretches that you will see in Major League Baseball history for a Houston team. And Verlander, you know, to me, he was a game-changer in in the sport of baseball. Having that number one workhorse starter is is so valuable. Verlander, when you look at the body of work, when you look at what he is right now, he's my third guy on the list. Well, I didn't rank them in order, but he's on my list. He's on my top ten, yes. All right, here, here's the fourth guy that I have, and, and you can, again, uh, feel free to disagree with me. Uh, Carlos Correa, you know, not only for what he is right now, but this, this guy looks like he's certain to be a Hall of Famer. If you're, like, picking a team in Major League Baseball right now, Carlos Correa would be uh, one of the first guys that you would pick. So that's why, to me, Carlos Correa is, is next on my list. But the guy after him is probably a really close second, and it's only because the guy after him uh, which I have as Deshaun Watson. That guy hasn't done it maybe long enough 
for us to say for sure this guy is the deal, but I think it's pretty sure for most of us that he is the deal. So I have Correa, and then I have Deshaun Watson. But hey, you could argue uh, either one. Is, do, you, do you feel like those are would th- those be on the next on your list right now? Well, I, I will say they're on my list. I say I didn't go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Other than the, the top two that I felt were way ahead, I had Watson on the list, and I had a little asterisk right next to his name. I have him on the list. But it's based more on what we think he's going to be able to do based on a very small sample size. But I do have him on my list, yes. So, yeah, it's so so far it's Altuve at one, Harden at two, Verlander at three, Correa at four, Deshaun Watson at five. And, I mean, just listen to these names. I mean, and listen to you know what they've done so far. It's pretty remarkable. Number six. This is gonna. This could be where it gets a little bit controversial because there's some other names that maybe people have uh, higher. But right now, uh, George Springer. I mean, we're talking about the World Series MVP. Uh, he is a five-tool baseball player right now. And you look at what George Springer uh, is, and you know, it's, it could become. He's only going to get better. I have Springer next, and that might be controversial because. Greg, I, you know, you could argue Chris Paul should be next on the list. I think we're going to we we might start to see Chris Paul, the arc of his career start to go in a downward way where George Springer, I feel like we're going to continue to see him rise, but you can argue Chris Paul if you want to. I like Springer and then and then Chris Paul. We're going to differ here because I know there's one guy on the list that you probably don't. Uh, I I have Springer as number 11 on this list, and and, and I have Paul on the list, mainly for the same reason that I have Verlander on the list to get right down to it. Most of what they've done have been for somebody else, and and Paul obviously is coming off an injury, but I have him both on the list. Springer is not on my top 10, but I have a note next to him. I said he's one season away from being there, and – I actually have a soccer player on my top 10, which I'm surprised. I'll be surprised if you do. I have her at number 10, Carly Lloyd, best women's soccer player in the world. I have her on my next. She's in the same list that Springer is, my very close one. I actually have Ricardo Clark uh, on the list as a soccer player. Uh, he's been their, their leading scorer for the last couple of years. Uh, and, uh, and of course they're doing, they're very successful this season. At least they are in the postseason. So I did, I did, uh, pay homage to soccer. I also, uh, probably like you, I stuck with team sports. I, there, I didn't have any, uh, people didn't play on a team sport on this list. So there's no gymnasts or golfers or track stars or anything like that. But, uh, that was the one I differed with you. I know you're a big Springer guy and I really am too, but I think he's just, I just have him a marge. I just have, well, number 11, there's nothing wrong with number 11, but I don't have him on the top 10. Yeah. Let me go to Carly Lloyd since you're on soccer. And I, I had her at number 10 and, and maybe she should be higher because she is the best women's soccer player in the world. Uh, she won the world cup two years ago. Uh, I couldn't put her maybe a little bit higher on the list because she's only played in 15 games the last two years for the dash. I feel like that's weird. But that's why I don't have her on the first 10 because you're right. And she's not even the top scorer on the uh, the dynamo. That's Rachel Daly. I mean the dash. Uh, so the, Carly Lloyd obviously has the biggest resume of any soccer player on either the dash or the dynamo, but Jen played enough. So I, I, I put her on that very close list on my particular uh, uh, top 10. Yeah. And I, I think you also have to factor in, it's been two years since the world cup, which might not feel like it's that long ago, but she's 35 years old now for soccer. 
you know, you're getting to the point where you might be past your prime, just like in a lot of these sports. And I'm not saying she is, but I don't know if she'd be quite as good if the World Cup was this year. But I've got, you know, tons of respect for her, the level she played in that 2015 World Cup compared to everybody else. The difference between her and the rest of the world was just really special. So, so I had Springer at six, Chris Paul at seven. There, you could argue that Chris Paul's higher. That's how good these Houston athletes are. That's why I wanted to talk about this because this is this is such a golden era for for Houston sports. But my number eight, and I, I don't know if he's on your list at all, Greg. Uh, Jadivian Clowney. He is on my list. He is on my list. He and, and Watson, and uh, there's one more that's on my list from uh, football. And he has actually really he's been kind of hidden uh, to the general public because the team has been mediocre most of the year. But he is uh, he is having by far his best season uh, of, of his uh, career with the, the, the Texans, and he's it's really an outstanding season. So yeah, he. He actually was on my list, too. As I said, I didn't rank them but I like you did, but I, he is on the top ten. My six, seven, and eight, are again, are Springer, Paul, and Clowney, number nine. And, and this one, I don't know where people would be on this, but uh, this guy is, is good, and he's rising really quickly, and he's become a sort of media star since the World Series, and rightly so. He maybe was the Astros' second-best player in the World Series, and that's oh, and he would might might be the best player you know from start to finish in the playoffs for the Astros outside of Altuve, and that's Alex Bregman is my number nine. I did not put him on the list. He's got to play a little longer for me. Who else do you have in there? I, I have Watt, uh, even though he's not played much of the last two years. I still have Watt because when you rank. Uh, where he stands in pro football, uh, uh, multiple defensive player of the year, and so on and so forth. I still had Watt in that top ten. And the only other one that I have that we haven't uh, was Keuchel. I do have Keuchel in the top ten. Well, the two guys that you just mentioned, they're they're my two. They start off my honorable mentions list. And, and with both of them, it's injuries, injuries, injuries. I, I really don't think we're ever going to see the same Watt, anything close to it. And that that's why Watt, to me, I couldn't put in the top 10. I mean, you, you, if you put, you talk about a career, uh, oh yeah, his, his lines up as, you know, with anybody else on this entire list. And maybe he, he might be the best of this entire group when you compare him to, to what he's doing in his sport and with everybody else all time. I'll tell you why I had him on there. Because he, he's somewhat in the same category of the guys who haven't played very long yet. They still have to prove it. In his case, he's proven it, and he's still on the. He's still technically he hadn't retired. In other words, so consequently, I counted him as as one of those on here. I'll tell you another guy I have on my very close list, and he's not playing this year either. And that's Whitney Merciless. I had him on my close list, uh, but uh, uh, obviously he has been another guy the Texans have missed this year. And I'll tell you who's an up and comer. He's not on the list, but Clint Capella is an up and comer. He has improved tremendously every year that he's gotten to play with the Rockets, and uh, I, I like him as an up-and-comer. I'll give you the last two of my honorable mentions, and it was hard to leave both of these guys off, but DeAndre Hopkins, uh, of course, he's just a, an incredible wide receiver. Uh, unfortunately, I think the thing that holds him back from being on this list and being better as an NFL player has been his quarterback situation over the last few years, but if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be in that conversation with the best wide receivers in the NFL. I think he should be, but right now uh, he works a lot of times uh, as a one-man show trying to, <laughs> to make these other quarterbacks that the Texans have had to play 
uh, look good. But DeAndre Hopkins, definitely, uh, we got to mention him. The other guy uh, who played on four World Cup teams for the United States, and you just got to look at his career right now. Uh, he's not what he once was. He's not at the top of his game anymore. But uh, his career in USA soccer uh, stands alone, or at least in a, a very small, very small dinner table. And that's Demarcus Beasley. Uh, Greg, I, I threw him in there as well. And I think there's room, as I say, you do the same list in a year. Uh, we have some players that uh, you know Watson's got to come back and have a, have a the, what we saw before. Watt's got to come back to be active next year maybe even Keichel maybe even Chris Paul uh so there are there are going to be some spots for these almost guys these guys on the cusp to move in uh certainly the odds are are very good but I'll tell you one too that I don't see moving out and that's who we talked about throughout the outset Altuve and Harden they're going to be on this list for a while yeah so the the ones that we disagreed on you have Keichel and J.J. Watt in your 10 uh and I think you did not have Bregman. And who who was the other one that you said was not there for you? Springer. George, Springer. George Springer, yeah. Springer was number 11. Bregman I didn't even put on my very close because he's just got to play longer. And that's, uh, that's the only thing with him because, really, you look numbers and everything else. He was he – was, he was good but not great. And he was very uh, – he had some key hits in the series in the postseason. But uh, his whole season was good but not great. And so he's got he's to lift it up a little bit or – be the level that he is now for a number of years to really establish himself. And then, then I would put him, I'd certainly consider him on the list too. Yeah. He had a bad series against the Yankees. I think he was okay against the Red Sox, right? Oh yeah. No, his overall uh, uh, postseason was pretty good. It's like uh, Altuve. Altuve's overall postseason was really good. He had a bad series. Uh, he had the one bad, the Yankees weren't, he wasn't very good, but uh, the, you know, when you added it all up, he had a really good one. And uh, so, uh, uh, no, I, I, I like him. I'm just not sure that he's ready for top 10 consideration yet with the competition that he's, he's got to go against. I, I thought it was, I'll tell you, it was the Dodgers series because the Dodgers, I think he only batted around 200. He had a, some big home runs. but It was one series that he didn't do much. Maybe it was that one. But overall, in the entire postseason, he was a 300 hitter. So uh, uh, he, um, he, was, uh, he was solid as an MVP should be, I guess. I think it is interesting because if you look at this historically and you go through Houston sports history and we're just talking about team athletes, because when you, when you get into individuals, it can get very complicated because you got, does Mary Lou Retton count because she trained here, but she wasn't from here. You know, that's it's all vials and all that sort of stuff. So it gets very complicated, but there's some great athletes that uh, have not been on team sports golfers. Uh, but uh, yeah, just, just sticking with team sports. Uh, it's still tough to, uh, to rule some people out uh, because there's, you know, and that's just current people. Now, if you went all time, oh my goodness, you couldn't, you couldn't stop at ten. You really couldn't. Even though uh, we may not have a a plethora of uh, uh, championships uh, through all of our sports, but we do have a heck of a lot of Hall of Famers. I counted it today. Uh, there are just in just in basketball, there are one, two, three, four, five. There are seven that I can think of that are in the Basketball Hall of Fame that played here. Baseball's got two that were Astros and others like Nolan Ryan that were here a lot. And Altuve is a cinch in the future. And same thing in football. you got a whole bunch of former Oilers. So, yeah, it's uh, it would be tough to narrow it down when you get into the all-time top ten. In fact, you couldn't, you couldn't stop at ten. You just couldn't. <laughs> 
Yeah, you do one through ten all time, Houston. We're just talking. Let's just talk team athletes because, like you said, it gets complicated because Mary Lou Retton, you know, she she was kind of went through here a little bit, but you know, not from Houston originally. Same with Carl Lewis. Uh, so you've got some of those that you're just trying to nitpick of. Well, did they are they really Houston athletes or not? Simone Biles, she wasn't. She's not from here, but you know, she's made her home here most of her life. So uh, you've got uh, you know a lot of different people to choose from that you're trying to parse out but if we're talking team athletes uh to me the the only thing that i know for sure is number one and, and there's no argument with this is akeem elijah he didn't grow up here but we're talking team sports and the rockets and he's he is to me there's no question that's your number one well he's they won they won twice and he was dominant and uh the hall of famer and you got that but as i say the rockets have done pretty well in that hall of fame thing they got seven and uh that played at least part of it i mean Drexler only played a couple of years here, but he was, you know, went to college here, and uh, and Hayes didn't play the peak years here, but his college uh, thing was a major factor in getting the Hall of Fame, and so uh, yeah, there's seven, and uh, that's pretty good. What do you think is the golden era for team sports in Houston? Besides this, I, I don't know if there really is one that uh, with this many great athletes, but I think the era that's come that comes close, I should say is 90 around 93 because the Oilers had all those players that were pro bowlers some of them go into the hall of fame you had Warren Moon and Mike Munchak and Greg Matthews after 93 a lot of those guys are gone but if you look at that 93 era uh, Biggio and Bagwell were, were starting to come on about that point with the Astros and then of course with the Rockets you you had Akeem Olajuwon now there there wasn't anybody Besides Elijah Wan at that point, uh, you didn't have Drexler, so you didn't have that other Hall of Famer. But you, you know, with Elijah Wan and all of those Oilers players, and then uh, Biggio and Bagwell, and I'm trying to remember if there were any other Astros around that '93 time. But that that would be the year that I think of. That's the one that's closest to the equivalent of, of 2017. Well, yeah, for the Astros, that was really the beginning. I mean, with all due respect to '80, '81, '86, those years. Uh, the real beginning of the first golden era, if you want to call it that, was th- about that time when Biggio and Bagwell were leading the way uh, because the 94 team was very close, and then the season ended with uh, with the strike. And then uh, uh, the next several years, uh, under Terry Collins, they were second place every year. Uh, and then uh, Durker came in and got them the, the a little bit further, and then finally Phil Garner got him to the World Series. So that all started at that point, and of course the Rockets won two championships at that point. The Oilers were still uh, definitely a contender uh, at that point, and so I, I think that you're probably right. Uh, that would be the for everybody for all the teams. That was probably it. I'll go with one other era, and, and it's 1980 because you had Earl Campbell, uh, Elvin Bethea, and Robert Brazil. So you had three Hall of Famers from that Oilers team. You had Moses Malone, a Hall of Famer with the Rockets, and, and Calvin Murphy, so two Hall of Famers there. So that, that's five right there. And with the Astros in 1980, uh, you had Nolan Ryan, J.R. Richard before the stroke, but it, was, it happened so right in the middle of that season that it's hard, it's hard to know what to do with that. Joe Morgan was on that team. He was still playing great. He's a Hall of Famer. So maybe 80 is the one. I think. I, I don't know. It's it'd be between 1993 and 80 if I if I think about it, and and you could make an argument maybe for both of those years. The Oilers just had so many guys right then. I mean, if you start looking down that roster, how many great players that they had, guys that you forget 
you know, how fantastic they were. Everybody from William Fuller and Sean Jones and Lamar Lathan. And, I mean, there's, there were so many uh, incredible athletes, both offensively and defensively. Haywood Jeffries is somebody that you'd have to mention around that time. Just there's they, they were so loaded. And then you, you put that with Akeem Olajuwon and Biggio and Bagwell. It, that's a pretty good time. But that 1980 era, uh, you know, there, you start looking through the Hall of Famers that were on those uh, three teams. There was a lot of them. Well, there were. I, I, the only thing that would hold that arrow back to me is that they, they had some good teams, but they didn't really have that many what you'd call contenders. Uh, you know, the Oilers were a good team. They weren't real. I mean, they didn't get to the Super Bowl. The uh, the Astros were a good team. They got in the postseason, 80-81 and, and, and 86, but they didn't win it. They didn't get to the World Series. The Rockets were a strange team because they most of that period, they, they even with those Hall of Famers, they weren't real good, but what was it, 80. 80- Two eighty-three, they actually got to the finals after being under five hundred during the regular season. So it was weird, and they obviously they had Moses Mullen, they had uh, Calvin, and Tim Janovich was still playing and, and at top of his game. But um, it was kind of strange. They were the, all three of them were good teams. They weren't great teams, and the one that was probably the weakest is the one that went the furthest, and that was the Rockets in the eighty-three when they get, went to the finals, even though they were two games under five hundred in the regular season. No, that was that was uh, the eighty eighty one season. So that's why I, I, I bring that 80, up. Eighty eighty one. Yeah, that that you know that's why I'm, that's why I point out that era because they made the finals. Now they they their record. Yeah, you you mentioned it. It was around five hundred, but that was that was Moses Malone and Calvin Murphy by eighty two eighty three. They're they're they'd sold off Malone. They're rebuilding and doing all that sort of stuff. But if you look at that eighty eighty one season, they go to the finals, and like you said, it was it was really weird. But if you look. You say, oh, they they didn't have any great teams. Well, the 1980 Houston Astros, they had a 2-0 lead on the Phillies that won the World Series, and they had a three-run lead uh, even in Game 5. where they. No, 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 I didn't say they didn't have a good team. I'm just saying they didn't get the ultimate goal. I mean, I I will put nothing past what happened this year. In fact, I'm I'm waiting to see what happens with the Rockets. They may... They may do something very surprising, too. It it gets down to who's going to really take it. The Astros had a season like the Rockets have started with, just winning, 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 running out and going, you know, let's see if the Rockets can continue the same thing. Honestly, I think the Texans could have if they hadn't run into all these injuries. Right now, it's just let's just get through the season. Let's win as many games as we can. Let's play one game at a time because – the chances are not good that they will have ultimate success with what they've got available to play now. But I'll tell you what, next year, if this team can stay healthy, they can be a contender. And they could have been this year if they'd stayed healthy. Oh, yeah. No, there, there's no question. What, what, I, what I didn't want you to say, though, is that the, the Astros maybe just had a good team because they, they uh, didn't win at all that year. Because I don't think you have to win at all. To, to have a you know to have a great team sometimes you know with baseball you know the best team doesn't always win Greg you know that <laughs> no no but I guess I'm saying they were never favored I mean they they had great success but nobody really thought they were a team especially after they lost J.R. Richard had they been able to keep J.R. Richard uh, that would have been a little different uh, but you looked at the up and down lineup they didn't scare anybody they had great pitching and uh, they uh, a lot of 270 hitters that, that hit in the clutch, very little power. But uh, they uh, they were a very good team. But don't say they weren't a very good team. I agree with that. But uh, they just were not one that I think is remembered by most in baseball as being one you're not going to forget. 
Right. Well, I mean, it's hard to have power in the Astrodome, though, right? <laughs> well, you play half your games out of town. You know, that's they play half of them out of town. If you can hit, uh, uh, they they weren't built though for that. They were built to play half their games at home, and they were built with guys who could hit the ball in the gaps and get on base with walks and 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 hit timely singles, so that that two seventy five batting average was much more valuable than uh, most guys two seventy fives. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes that 1980 team is a forgotten team. And I don't know if you saw this, Greg, but, you know, to me, one of the special moments that, that I watched and just because it, it, it choked me up a little bit was Reed Ryan getting choked up after the World Series because, you know, he he's a kid that grew up in, in, in Houston for the most part. You know, he, he spent some time in Anaheim, I'm sure, when Nolan was out there in the 70s, but uh, spent most of his time here thinks of Houston as his home, the Houston area. And when he was on MLB network after the world series was over with and talking about uh, winning the world series. And, and he started talking about all the times where they, they didn't quite do it. And he mentions 1980 with his dad and 1986 and his dad and, and goes through uh, 98 and 2004 and 2005. And when he got choked up, I got a little bit choked up. I mean, we're, we're separated by just a few months in age. And so I, I knew exactly where he was coming th- from because it had just been, there had been so many uh, times where you just felt like, uh, oh, we were just so close and we almost had it. Uh, the World Series in 2005, you didn't feel close because it was a sw- sweep, but those were all close games. And when you look at the Astros, Greg, in the World Series, look at how many one run and two run games they've played in their 11 World Series appearances, I mean, it's a remarkable feat. How many? All of them in that 2005 World Series were one or two run games, and I and I until Game Six and Game Seven, I I think every one of those except for one was a one or two run game. The funny thing that Game Six and Seven sort of mirrored each other because in Game Six the Astros got a lot of guys on base and some scoring position could never get the big hit. Exactly the same thing was reversed in Game 7 with the Dodgers. They got some guys on base and, and couldn't get the big hit. And, of course, then in the last part of the game when uh, uh, Morton's in there dealing, and they weren't even getting guys on base. So it was uh, it was a uh, mirror image, and the Astros fortunately had the seventh game, and that's uh, that's what it took. I think that uh, the emotion that was seen by from people all over Houston, the people that are rooted for the Astros forever, the people that jumped on the bandwagon at the last minute. But the emotion from all of them was just amazing, something that, uh, you know, this city has never seen. Uh, they're, you know, winning a Super Bowl will be wonderful and everything will be excited. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like going through that grueling uh, postseason in Major League Baseball because when you win that World Series now, having to play uh, three rounds to get to, to that championship, you have really accomplished something, and the Astros did it. And I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, you thought the Texans could have made a run before Deshaun Watson was hurt, and you know, you just look at it. The Astros have uh, just won the World Series. If J.J. Watt and Whitney and Merciless and Deshaun Watson were healthy at this point in the season. I would think the Astros, uh, they would almost be even. I mean, the Texans would almost be even odds uh, to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, you'd put them right there with with the New England Patriots because of Brady and Belichick. I'm sure everybody would favor them over the Texans and the Texans having a rookie quarterback. But uh, Watson was putting up MVP numbers, and you put him with a defense that includes Watt and Merciless and Clowney. And, and there's other talent on that defense. The defense has actually come a little bit together despite the fact that 
you know, they've lost those two guys in the last three weeks. I think the defense has played their best ball of the season over the last two or three weeks. Now, the great thing about it, I, I mentioned this on a tweet, I think, yesterday, was the fact that you're getting guys getting playing time now that uh, may, may be backups next year, but the fact that they're getting a lot of playing time and experience, it, it bodes well because, they, as everyone's pointed out, the Astros don't have a whole – or the Rockets – I'm sorry, the Texans don't have a whole bunch of high draft picks next year in the draft – but they can develop with some of the players they've got now, and they've, they've done it. Hey, another thing that's gotten much better is the offensive line. Uh, it's not nearly as bad as it was the first uh, few weeks of the season, and, and certainly in game one. It's, uh, it's, it's been very, very strong, uh, and the uh, uh, quarterback is having time to look down the field, and the running backs are finding gaps that they can go through. Uh, the only negative that really is a result to me of the players they lost, obviously the quarterback, but the defensive players, was the fact that those guys were mostly your pass rush. And uh, if there's a weakness, it's still perhaps in some of the secondary positions. And if they can't be uh, given help by a real strong pass rush, their times are going to get burned. And uh, that's where you miss the clownies and the mercilesses. But uh, that's where it also it's great that uh, – that uh, uh, I said not Clowney, the Watson, the Mercises. That's where it's great that Clowney has come through because he is, he's really done a good job of uh, help filling the gaps uh, that were caused by the loss of those two guys. Yeah, I've been saying over on my Locked On Texans podcast that you know I, I want to see a lot of trust in Deku because that was their fifth-round pick at cornerback. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, I talked to Jonathan Joseph about him uh, in Sunday's show and the post-game show, and, and J. Joe is really high on what Tristan Deku can do and, and, and the amount of talent that this kid has. And if you can get, you know, these guys, some experience is great. The other thing is they got to keep them on the field because Deontay Foreman was a guy that you wanted to get experience and, and he, he's out for the season. Uh, you look at, uh, I mean, if we just go through some of their young guys that you want to get experience, obviously Deshaun Watson's out for the season. Uh, you look at Dylan Cole, uh, who's missed a lot of games. Hopefully he comes back soon. Uh, Zach Cunningham continues to get snaps. Davenport's a guy that you'd want to see going into next year at, at tackle, but he's been injured the last two or three weeks. So, you know, they've, they've had so many injuries with the young guys that could be getting experience while you've had all of these these other key injuries. That's the thing that stinks if you're a Texans fan is because, you know, the hope for the future and the guys that you want to look at and you want to see more of and you want to get experience, they're hurt. But that pushes somebody else up, and, and they get the uh, the playing time. And I think the biggest thing that we are seeing with uh, uh, some of those guys is that they are learning uh, how to play with the speed of the game in the NFL. I think we can start right at quarterback. I think uh, he wasn't ready. Uh, he probably looked really good in practice, and I can see why he looked good in practice, because the speed is not the same. He's got a good arm, and uh, he can thread the needle onto passes that are right up the middle and so on and so forth. But the speed of the game overwhelmed him when he when he started, and uh, now that the defense or the offensive line is playing a little bit better, uh, given he'll make still still make some mistakes, but he's making fewer of them, and that also applies to everybody on the field. Once you there's nothing like playing in a game that counts to get acclimated to how how fast the NFL or the NBA or any any sport is when the games really count. And these guys are learning that, and that can't do anything but help. The longer this NBA season goes on, I mean, it looks more and more like, you know, the Rockets should be favored to go into the Western Conference Finals if, if they can, you know, obviously health is always the key, but uh, I, I feel like if I, look at, if I look at the Western Conference, Greg, 
it, it, it's the Rockets and, and Golden State, and, and then everybody else is kind of after them right now. That's the way it looks, but you said that key word. The, the NBA season is so long with so many games. Uh, health is crucial. Uh, even as short as the NFL season is, health is crucial. And uh, if, if the club can stay healthy uh, with the key guys and uh, get some, some help from some of the guys off the bench here and there to give other guys rest as they develop, I, I think uh, the sky's the limit. I think I must admit when the season started and I looked at the roster, I thought, is this team really going to be uh, – didn't they need maybe another big power forward? Didn't they need another – well, maybe not uh, because they're, they're playing very well with what they have and they've got some good role players. And uh, the development of uh, – as I said, I, I really like the development of Capella. Now he's, uh, he's really coming into his own. He's getting double-figure rebounds every night and usually double-figure points – He's not really a scoring. Uh, he's kind of the Bill Russell type score. He's not really main key of the offense, but he'll get his points uh, from being in the game. Uh, but he gets his rebounds. He's also a threat to block shots. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's still maybe a little underweight, but he's quick because of that. And uh, I like his development a great deal because I think he's been uh, key to helping this team uh, be where they are so far. Did you say big power forward? What is that? I don't, I don't think that exists anymore, Greg. You sure? <laughs> Sure no, most teams don't have them anymore. They're, they're, that position is now a long-range shooter, it's just another long-range shooter. Yeah, if you look at the Rockets, the thing that, you know, to me, sticks out with them, so many times in pro basketball, you, you say, oh, well, let me see if the, that this guy develops or that guy develops. But a lot of times, they, they just kind of are who they are. We're seeing guys develop that we didn't know had it in him there later in their career. I mean, Eric Gordon, I don't know if I would say develop, but all of a sudden uh, he, he's as healthy as he's looked since his early twenties and he's j- jumping and dunking and doing all that, those kind of things we haven't seen that before. You look at Ryan Anderson playing defense and rebounding better than I've ever seen him play. Uh, you look at Capella. Now he's a guy that you thought was going to develop, but sometimes you wait for that next step and next progression to happen and development and it and it doesn't or maybe they get to a point and that's all they can get to but with with those three guys and, and even James Harden I mean I, I am his biggest critic as far as uh, just well uh, you know winning that championship and having that uh, thing that you need to win the championship and I'm still going to question that until we get to the playoffs but one thing that I can say for sure he's playing better defense Greg I mean I, I feel like he's as sharp defensively as I've seen him. I mean, there are still those moments, and there all, will always be those moments, but I think he's better. There will always be moments with James. That's the thing. He, he, is, he, is, he sees the court. He really sees the court when he's working in the point guard position. He really does. He sometimes makes low-percentage decisions, sometimes takes low-percentage shots, but then the game is all over, the Rockets have won again, and he's had 35 points. So it's... it's uh, you kind of take the the errors with the with the positives, and uh, but yeah, I I I like uh, I like his look. I'll tell you what, Eric Gordon, you know who he is. Eric Gordon is uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, he's uh, the basketball equivalent. He's a guy that was always a good player, uh, coming as a sixth man or a guy off the bench, and now with uh, the season the way it started, with uh, CP3 not able to play, and, and and he became a starter, meaning Gordon. Uh, He's Marwin Gonzalez of basketball. He he can uh, he can uh, score with the, your top guys on the team, 
uh, and he can play off the bench or he can play in the starting role and a very, very valuable player to have. No question about that. You know, it's uh, just a month away from Christmas or less than a month, Greg. Uh, this would be a perfect time. I know everybody's in the Astros mood to pick up your copy for a friend or family member that loves the Astros, Houston to Cooperstown, the Biggio and Bagua years, right? <laughs> well, I Certainly glad you mentioned that. Uh, Houston to Cooperstown, the Houston Astros, Biggio, and Bagwell years uh, may still be available in some Barnes and Nobles. And if they've sold it out or if it's not on the shelf now because it's sold out, you can order it through them or you can go through Amazon.com, which is an easy way to order the book. I uh, think it's a great uh, an important book for all Astro fans, even though I wrote it and I'm being you know prejudicial here a little bit. Fact is, it kind of it kind of brings all the history of this franchise together, focusing on the Biggio Bagwell years, uh, which, of course, represent the two Astros hat-wearing Hall of Famers in Cooperstown. And then even in the last chapter, I indicated that, you know what, that may have been the golden era of Astro baseball up to this point. But I said, this one that's starting here uh, might just overshadow it. And I certainly think that uh, certainly this season overshadowed anything the Astros have ever had, and maybe the next five or six years will as well. It's a great time to be a baseball fan in Houston, and you can read all about it. Great time to be a Houston sports fan. You go down this list, the, the guys that we've mentioned, uh, if you're sitting down at your Thanksgiving table, this is what you're thankful for. Jose Altuve, he's your MVP of Major League Baseball. James Harden, back-to-back, second-place finishes in the MVP voting. Maybe he's the leader in the clubhouse right now uh, in the NBA for MVP this season. Justin Verlander. Uh, just a, you know, he's a hall of famer, uh, has got some Cy Youngs to his, you know, he, he's got quite a resume. Uh, just, uh, you, you can't, you can't be much better than Justin Verlander has been over the last, uh, 12 to 15 and, and years. And by the way, let me interject. Fans are worried about this. I've seen some speculating on, oh, are we going to lose and all this stuff? Uh, they don't have to lose anybody. Verlander's here for two more years. Uh, I think uh, arbitration is all that might come up for some of these players, and that's just a negotiation as to what they're going to be paid. Free agency is not for several years for the core group of this team, so don't worry about that, fans. Uh, uh, even guys like Morton has another year on his contract. Uh, 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 several, All the other regular players have time on their contract, so you're not going to lose anybody, at least from them leaving on their own during the offseason, and Verlander is on top of that list. Yeah, you got one more year of Keuchel, and then I think Jose, it's just we're two years away, right, from Jose hitting free agency? Yeah, if they don't work out something. He'll he'll be a little hard because I think he's still got Boris as an agent, so it'll be a little hard for the Astros to sign him to anything in advance, but uh, they'll I'm sure they'll try. Correa, Springer, Bregman, all of those guys have MVP potential, and George Springer, all he did was win your World Series MVP, so that's pretty good. Deshaun Watson, Richard Sherman of the Seahawks called him a top five quarterback, maybe as soon as next year. Uh, that, that's pretty high praise coming from Richard Sherman. Uh, Chris Paul, uh, future Hall of Famer, one of the best point guards in the last, I don't know, 30 years, you could say. He, he's he's in, in a very short list of the best point guards uh, from the last 30 years in NBA history. Uh, Clowney, you know you, you know what Clowney can do. Uh, J.J. Watt, well, you know, just three-time defensive player of the year, Dallas Keuchel. Two years ago, he won the Cy Young Award. I mean, this is just an amazing list of athletes. Carly Lloyd, of course, the best women's soccer player of the world. So it's 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 pretty darn remarkable list for, for Houston athletes right now and, and, and a great time for Houston sports. So 
uh, definitely something to be thankful for. And, and I want to thank you so much, Greg. It's, I'm always thankful to have you in the house and get a chance to talk to you. It is always great to talk with you because the topics we get into, I think, are very interesting. <laughs> and I hope the listeners do, too. All right, everybody, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. If you have an Android device, download our free Houston Sports Talk app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.